thing. There's that idea throughout the scriptures, and we see in Christ himself, that often in loss, or what looks like loss, comes life. So for us, as we intentionally kind of cut so that we can multiply, it's for the sake of being able to see more people come to know Jesus. Because what will happen, say God continues to move in 9, 30, 11, and maybe we, maybe we kind of fill these rooms again. Um, we're not going to get, I, I will say 99.8%, we're not going to get to a point where we start to do like a capital campaign and say, okay, now it's time for us to build this like giant megaplex church. So we're going to raise like a couple million dollars to do this because we just want to house everyone. We're probably not going to, I will say never say never, right? Because God will do whatever he wants, right? But most likely what we'll say is, hey, at that point, God's giving us a clear, pretty clear indication. We need to start another church somewhere else in the city or somewhere else. So if God is moving some of you, it's time for you to go. That, that's what we're doing here. That's what we're doing here because our goal is we want to say, if God, if you're going to move through us and in us, we want to see how many people can be impacted by this thing called a church. It's not about building our kingdom. It's not about getting this thing larger and larger and larger for the sake of us. It's for the sake of how many people can know about the great love and grace and mercy and kindness of Jesus Christ. Cool? So I want you to know that why we're doing this, even this whole two-service thing. But before we jump into the next week, I'm already kind of hype about that. But we're going um, to take a final series, a final week this week as we talk about uh, the heartbeat of community and, and asking why we connect. So we're going to be looking at the book of Romans, chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and looking at verses 9 through 13 here. So let me read that for us. If you don't have a Bible, you can pick one up in front of you. Or I think the verses are also up on the screen. Romans 12 verse 9 says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So as we look at these verses that the Apostle Paul is writing here, he starts off in verse 9 saying, let love be genuine. He's talking about the love shown within uh, the community of people. Let love be genuine. Simply, guys, it's saying that our love has to be real. Our love for one another has to be real. And, and really, this is kind of the linchpin, the key to everything else we're going to talk about today. This idea that the love we have for one another demonstrated in this thing called a church has to be real, has to be genuine. And, and I'm hoping we've got this picture up here, this uh, picture of this Instagram. Yeah. So there was this fascinating article I came across last week that talked about this kind of Instagram effect on, on how it's playing out in culture where because of the way social media operates, particularly things like Instagram, if, if you're not on Instagram, it's a way through you be able to share your life through your pictures um, on your phone. It's, it's people love it, right? Instagram. Um, but the thing is for you to put a picture on there, you crop it. What that means is you make it smaller and you kind of designate what you want to be in this little snapshot of your life. And there's a whole set of these different pictures. And what you see when you open up your phone is that little box there. That's thing that says Instagram and this beautiful little potteries and little plants and gorgeous little things that's growing in your eye. But the thing is, the point of this article is that you don't see the whole rest of that. <laughs> you don't see the whole rest of that mess. Because the person who's posting what they want to post, they're showing you what they want to show you. And, and the thing is, we look at these, we look at our phone or we open up our computer like, oh man, they are just living the life. Look, look at the kind of food that they eat. Man, they, they're like a 
they live in the foodie life. And then you don't look around the rest of the picture where it's just like mess. Or you look at the, you look at a room and you see like little teddy bears and a little guy and a beautiful, and you don't see like pillows and stuff pile up. You basically, what it's saying is we have chosen to portray ourselves the way we want to giving just a sliver of our life. And, and as great of a tool as things like social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, as they are, here's one of the biggest liabilities that it's created this kind of societal culture where we can meticulously craft and hone how we desire to be presented to other people. We can basically craft our life to how we want people to view us. So if you just think about taking like a selfie picture, and again, um, I'm, I'm not a big selfie guy. Um, I don't know if dude should be doing selfies. No judgment there. But um, say if I did a selfie, what I would do is I would think, okay, what are like the highlights of my body? Um, I think I got good hair, all right? Um, like midsection, not so much. So I'm going to take like a selfie of just my head with my hair because that's like my, uh, okay, you could agree with me or not, but we can pick and choose kind of what we want to put out there. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that, I guess. Here's the thing, though. It's not an accurate portrayal of who you are, right? And what your life is. And, and, and some people have another word for this. It's called church. <laughs> some people, that, that whole dynamic I just described, it's called church. Because, and I, I have conversations like this all the time. Um, for a lot of people, church is often the least authentic place they can think of themselves acting during the week. Like, if, if they think of, when am I the least like who I am? Church. When am I the least with how I talk? Oh, church. When am I the least slovenly, the least greedy, the least... Sub- oh, church. When do I not use, like, this word and that word and that word? Oh, church. Oh, they would be shocked if I talked like that. Um, but the thing is, village people, here's what I want to say. We cannot afford to do this. We cannot afford to let ourselves slide into a culture where we're picking and choosing kind of how we portray ourselves. Because here's the natural repercussion if we live a life like that, if we develop a church culture like that. It's going to be impossible for you to receive real, genuine love if you're pretending to be something you're not. It's going to be impossible for you to really receive genuine love from other people within this church if you are portraying yourself to be something that's not fully you. Because if people are loving this untrue or maybe altered expression of you, they're not knowing the real you. And they're not going to be loving the real you and accepting the real you. So for us at, at the village, if we're going to grow, grow to continue to grow in maturity and, and depth of our spiritual uh, relation with God, guys, our love has to be real. Our love has to be genuine. And what it means for us as a church, how we express ourselves, the village, we need to be a community. We need to set a culture where it's okay when we're not okay. This place, this thing we call the village, it has to be a culture, it has to be a society where it's okay when we're not okay. That we have to be able to be able to come in, whether it's a Sunday worship gathering, whether it's a community group, whether it's just hanging out, we have to be able to um, be able to come in, bring our greatest faults, bring our greatest failures, bring all the ways we've jacked up, that we are jacked up or that we have jacked up, and, and point one another to the God who loves us in spite of that. 
we need to be able to continue to press on this thing. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you really did a bad job with that. Whoa, that's horrible. Whoa. How can... But you know what? God is amazing. He wants you still. He draws you to himself. He know, you know what? You think you're fooling him? Hiding behind that fig leaf? God already knows it. And he wants you. Come to him and point one another to that kind of God. I mean, it's a simple thing we've said throughout our years at the village, but we don't get cleaned up to go to God. We go to God to get cleaned up. How many conversations do I have on the street with people say, yo, why don't you come out to the church? You know, we, we've got a great thing going. Oh, man, my life's a mess right now. I, I need to get some stuff straightened up before I go to church. I, I need to get this habit taken care of. I need to get some, I, I guess, get some nicer clothes. I need to stop acting like this. Oh, I'm in a real dire, dark strait right now. I, let me take care of that, and then I'll come to church. And what I usually tell them, I'm not trying to be a, a wise person, but I'm like, um, I, I guess I'll never be seeing you then. Because <laughs> the truth is nev- none of us ever get cleaned up enough to come to God. But it's, it's in who we are, and it's what we're doing, and what we're struggling, and even areas that we don't know we're struggling, that we bring that to God because we know he's merciful. We know he's gracious. We know that he wants us. And in doing that, then he's the one that's going to clean us up. That makes sense? We, we got to get that order correct here. So, guys, we need this love that's genuine. And then we see the second part of uh, verse 9 there. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. So having said all that, we need to be real. I'm totally affirming that. Totally affirming that. We need to be honest. Stop putting on air. Stop faking. Stop trying to impress people. We need to be honest with who we are. But here's the other part of it. We live, for some of you, that's no problem. That's life. <laughs> You're like, I'm all about real. Yeah, I like this church. Let me be real. Um, the, the danger of a culture where it's all about being real is sometimes we forget this understanding that God's people are continually to grow more and more like Jesus. It's called holiness. That we're continuing, as much as we're to be real and genuine in, in our love and in our who we are, we are also... Just along with it. It's not an either or. It's together. We're to grow more and more like what the scriptures teach us. It means to follow Jesus in holiness. Simply to say, um, and I, if I would gauge our church, I think we tend to fall on this side more. We are pretty good at accepting. I think when I was talking about the first part, that we need to be real and honest. You're like, yeah, that's why I like this church. Be real. Be nasty. I like it. We're okay with that. And that kind of reflects our culture, right? Everyone's about being real. Um, But we also need to point one another to the God who makes us holy. We also need to say, yeah, be real. Come with what you are so that God can make you fully into who you are meant to be. Because I'm going to suggest that we live in a real tolerant kind of, you know, we're good with that first part. Yeah, accept everyone for all the mess, you know. Jesus wouldn't turn anyone away. We're good at that part. We're not so good apart about the part that says, go sin no more. Because I, I'm going to suggest that the most cowardly, kind of selfish kind of love is where we see someone who's a brother or sister. They, they, they just, they love Jesus, but we see them. And in their lifestyle or in their behavior or in their actions, or in their relationships, they're like going towards a cliff. They're like heading in a direction that's really bad, and you see it. You know it. It's not like it it snuck out. You see it happening, but we say nothing because we want to be tolerant and accepting. 
I'm going to suggest that's not tolerant and accepting. That's actually unloving. I'd be like, if you see my little four-year-old and she has the tendency to do this because she likes to run, just start running into the street because like a little ball goes out there and you just watch it happening. I would say, yo, that's kind of (laughs) evil. You should like run as fast as you can, grab her by the neck and pull her back before she gets smashed by a car because of love. Because isn't that what true love is? True love is all about the like, Hugging it out and feeling good. I, I like that part about the love. But love also means in my, in my relationship with my wife, who I love dearly and who I, I'm sure loves me. Um, love in our relationship means she knows that, uh, especially when I get stressed, especially when the day has been long, I could just eat the worst food all the time. I know some of you are health nuts and you'll just like start throwing up as I'm describing this. I could eat like Taco Bell like every meal and be fine. I, if you like, you could deep fry everything for me and I would totally not complain. I'd be like, oh, this is good. It's like, something's like, I'm getting energy here. Yeah, that's how I describe it, right? Uh, I could totally do that. But because my wife loves me, she knows, um, you know, I know that makes you happy, but why don't you mix in a salad every once in a while, Holmes? Because she loves me, she's going to recognize if I do that to myself, I'm just going to kill myself. So she will say a word that at the time, I'll be honest, I don't make the ha- I want my like enchilado and I want my burrito. At those moments, she's not just going about purely what I think will make me happy, but because she loves me, she will speak truth in love. And I'm going to say for our church here, guys, our love, it needs to be real enough. That if you know and you're, if you're walking with someone that, that you love in this church or maybe you're getting to know and you see them just blatantly, openly walking in sin, in disobedience to God, if you love them, you got to say, man, you know what? I, I, I love you enough to have to say this. I'm worried about you. Something's got to change here. You're, you're going off a cliff here. You're running into the fire. And... um. I have a sort of a reputation of, at our church, I think, of some, some people think I love, like, confrontation, that I love bringing up hard stuff with people. Are you kidding me? I'm human. I don't like that. But it's because God has called me to pastor this church that I'm going to say some hard things that often will not make people want to love me back. But that's what love is. Because you love them, you will speak graciously but firmly into someone's life as you see them heading into destruction. And guys, we need to recognize the love that's involved when we call each other out on our stuff and whatever stuff looks like to you. But that's love when we call each other out sometimes on our stuff. That, that a healthy, mature church, a community, requires that we, we, every single one of us has at least one or maybe a couple or a group of people who are able to look into our life and they start to get to know us well enough that they say, whoa, I, I don't think that's going well. Or, man, I haven't seen you for a while. Where, where have you been? I haven't seen you at group. Or I haven't seen you at work. Or, man, where are you hanging out at? I mean, I know, uh, I don't think that's healthy for you. We, we need to develop a kind of community where we're able to know each other enough to say, yeah, you know what? I know you've desired to kind of really follow Christ, but that relationship you're starting to get into, I don't think that's going to be healthy for you or for the other person. I think you're letting yourself get into some bad place. The kind of community where you know enough, so enough of each other to say, man, I'm, I'm looking at the way that you're spending money, and it's pretty obvious to more than just me. I don't think it's the best way that you're using your resources. You talk about struggling financially, and also, but then you're using your money on stuff that I don't know if that's wise. 
You're not being able to be generous to other people because you're spending on these things. It's, it's talking into areas that are not necessarily comfortable, but for the sake of the person, you're going to speak in love. One of the best pieces of wisdom I got early on in my, in my life, a professor said this. He looked across the class and said, you know what? Find some people in your life who are not so impressed by you and, and get, become friends with them. Find some people who are not just going to be like the ones who like, like everything you put on Facebook. <laughs> you know the people, right? They don't even read it. They just press like because it's you. Um, don't, don't just find those. Find the people who are not so impressed by you so that they will actually speak truth into your life as well. Because that's a real friend who loves you so much they're willing to even um, bear offense to speak truth into your life. So we see this love continued in verse 10. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And, and here's the thing about Christians. Christians, we like um, those verses that have to do with do. Like the action oriented. We, we kind of like that. Because, let's be honest, you can do certain things without meaning it at all, right? If the Bible says... Give this much money as you're like, okay, I can do that. I don't want to, but I can do it or go to this meeting called a church service. Yeah. Okay. I can do that. Even if I don't, we like to do stuff, but what we see here in this verse, when it says brotherly affection, what he's saying there is he's commanding to feel for one another. He's not just talking about doing, he's talking about how you feel. And that takes it to a whole other level because you can control what you do, but it's really difficult to control what you feel. And, and this is tied again to the first verse where it talks about being genuine, being real with our love. And, and I think we've seen this at our church, right? Throughout the years, if, if, if I would guess and ask you, who do you really respect in our church? Who do you just honor deeply? Probably it's the people who have been the most honest. The people who have been the most transparent. The people who are maybe not the most impressive looking and everything. Like we, let's be real. We don't really always like the really impressive people, right? Because they make us feel worse about ourselves. But the people who are like open and honest in their brokenness, we're like, yeah, I can hang with them. I get it. They're broken, but wow, they're achieving redemption. Maybe there's hope for me too. But we can't get to that point until we quit pretending where we say, yeah, we're broken. Praise Christ for grace. And, and I want to give a word, quick word on this idea of honoring one another, outdoing one another. Um, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, I'm at a really interesting place personally where there's a good number of people who are like connecting with our church, not from our church, not from Baltimore. And I get some people who give really like affirming things about me. Like they'll say certain things about who I am or what our church is doing or about my preaching, for, for instance. And, and that's nice. I mean, I'll be honest. That's nice. It's nice to have people to affirm you and tell you, like, you know, we, we dig you. We think you're doing good stuff. That's nice. But I'll be brutally honest. For me, when someone from my church tells me how I've affected your life, when one of you guys verbally tells me and you're encouraged by me and you give me practical, real reasons why you're encouraged by me, man, that means so much more than some stranger. Because they don't know me. <laughs> They don't know me. You guys, you see me week to week. You know my failures. You know the ways I'm jacked up. You know the ways I'm very human. And yet, when you affirm me, when you honor me, that means so much more than anyone outside of our church. And I use that to say, I want to encourage our church. Let's outdo one another in honoring one another. Let's not just think good stuff about each other. Like in your mind as you're driving home, 
wow, yeah, that Bob is a really caring person. I hope someone tells him someday, because, man, he is, he is just a really kind, just, sorry, I, man, I hope he really hears from God about that. You tell him. <laughs> you honor him. You encourage him. You honor her. You just, let's verbally honor one another, because, and I just had a conversation with one of our brothers from our church this week, and, and I'm not going to mention names, but he is someone that to a person here, I think you would all honor. You would be like, Wow. I just have such high esteem for this person. He was sharing with me, I feel like such a loser. I feel like no one wants to listen to me at all. I feel no one has any, I'm like, seriously? Are, are, did someone say something to you? I'm like, I'm ready to like, you know, sound like, did someone say something to you? You're like, no, 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 no one said anything, but it's my own heart. Because some of the ways that the enemy works, we talk about fiery darts of the enemy. Some of those fiery darts are to try to convince you of who you're not if you're a Christian, that you're not truly loved by God, that you're not truly God's beloved, that you haven't been forgiven, that God's not doing something in you. And all you hear are all the ways that you feel you fall short, all the condemnation. And, and guys, I totally believe in the gospel. I totally believe we don't need a single person telling us of who we are in Christ, but it helps. <laughs> It helps when we have the church speak truth into our lives of who we are because of Jesus, how much we honor one another, how much we respect and love one another. So be generous in honoring one another. Verses 11 through 13, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Verse 11 says that we are supposed to be zealous for God as we serve him you know, with a passionate spirit. But guys, it's really important to recognize here that we don't have this attitude of being zealous, of being really passionate, um, merely because we feel good about life. It's not just because you feel really hyped up or you, you heard a great praise song this morning. Okay, now I'm going to be zealous. Now I'm going to be passionate. What this is saying, you got to read the next verse. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. The context of this is, yeah, be zealous, be passionate, all of these things, even when life is cruddy even when it's not going well. And, and that's why verse 12 says to rejoice in hope because the very nature of hope, it's you're acknowledging things are not as they should be right now. Why do we have hope? Because you're looking at life and you're like, this kind of stinks. I don't like life right now. I need some hope. And that's why we wait in hope because things are broken. Being patient in tribulation I know there's some cats out there that love making a lot of money off telling people Jesus' whole goal is for you to be healthy and wealthy and rich and have a nice big house. And, all, and, and that's all fine if it's from God. But it kind of goes against stuff like this that says to be patient in tribulation. What do you say to the person who doesn't have all that? That God is not real in their life? God is still working and is real, but we're patient in these things. It's not just about all that God gives us. It's often about what he gives us in himself. So how do we live out this hope together? One way we see there um, in, in verse 12 at the end, be constant in prayer. That in those times when life is just rocking us, we start to have some people who know you enough that whether you're telling them or whether they can just tell by looking at you, that man, something's wrong. Hey, how can we pray? And, and we start to look at our situations through spiritual eyes, not just worldly eyes. We start to get like a, a removed view and see even the hard stuff that's going on in my life right now, this does not dictate everything about who God is and who I am. And we pray, seeking God's face in that. 
Another way we express hope along with prayer in verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints. That as we walk together, when we see one another going through trials, when we see one another going through hard things, we contribute. We practically act. That yes, we pray, but we also ask, what can I do? That those two things, prayer and service, act, it goes together. And verse 13 says to seek to show hospitality. And man, hospitality is one of the most powerful expressions of our faith we can have. And just a really quick story for me. I know you guys look at me, especially if you're new, you're like, man, this guy's like a spiritual giant. He must have just walking from walking with Jesus from when he popped out of the womb. Just like, say, hallelujah, when he came out, wow. I can't imagine him ever sinning. It's true. It happened to me, right? Even like five minutes ago, it happens. I sin. Um, but in, there was a point in my life I was really far away from God. Like running, rebellious, hated the church, hated everything about it. Thought that a group like this, y'all a bunch of hypocrites. That's what my thought was. Y'all a bunch of sheep. That's what my thought was. But I had some situations in life, and after I graduated college, I started going to this church back in Philadelphia. A few of my friends were going to say, hey, you should check it out. So I started coming. I was that guy. I would come, and I would sit there, and right when service was done, I had a 10-second rule. What that rule was, I never shared it with anyone, so it's really unfair. I had in my mind 10 seconds. If no one said hi to me, I'm gone. So I, I would just stand there. And, and if you know, I know I have a real like, gentle face now, but back then... <laughs> I looked like I always wanted to fight. So I'd be standing there like. And I'm wondering why no one's saying hi to me. And, and so I would leave like every week. I'm thinking, man, these are all just the same kind of religious phonies. Talk all about love and kind and welcome. Oh, damn, whatever. It's all an act. But I eventually stayed. And, and what happened, what kept me staying was there was one small group leader, this, this woman and her husband. What they did, she reached out and said, hey, we're having a few people over at our house on Saturday night just playing, having some dinner, playing some games. Why don't you come on over? And I was like, is this a small group event? Said, no, no, it's not. Just, just some friends. I didn't see it on the calendar. Oh, it's, it's not scheduled. It's just we wanted to have some people over our house, and we wanted you to join us. I'm like, really? And I went there, and, and no, no joke. That was the first moment for me that that church became my church. Because I realized there were some people there, maybe it's just even a couple, who they wanted me in their life, not because someone was telling them that was part of the schedule or that was part of the program, but because they wanted me included in there. And you know what I do? Like every year I write a letter to that couple. (laughs) Like even up to now, it's been like 20-something years now. I write a letter to them. And I tell them how much their hospitality to them made a difference in my life. How much their simple, and they probably weren't even thinking about it, but how much their little act of welcoming into their life, welcoming into their home, sharing bread with me, sharing their life with me, how much it's made a difference in my life and how I continue to remember this story. And I share stories of you guys with them because I want them to know all of that God is doing even now is it's like a ripple effect of what God has done in my life. Because that's how God works. As we receive kindness, as we receive hospitality, we want to share that with other people. And I tell them that's not to gloat or anything, but say, look at the fruit of your ministry. Look at what God is doing in Baltimore. Look at what he's doing because you showed hospitality to one little punk. And you reached out. Church, we can't belittle our hospitality. We can't look 
low upon these acts of hospitality. One of the most spiritually impacting things that you can do is to have someone in your home and share your life. So having said all this, verses 9 through 13, this is like a kind of a great description of how the church should be. It's all, all good. If you're like me, you're asking, how in the world do we do this when we got like all demanding schedules? Like if you're like me, your Google calendar, the whole thing's like blue. Like it's all just one color blue. Like how do we do this demanding schedules? How do we do this as the church is growing with people that I don't even know? How, how, how do we do this? Here, here's one way that we're not going to do it. it, it it's not going to happen if we accept kind of this cropped, edited, um, Instagram-y view of who we are. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen if our notion of church is just this thing that we come to on Sundays, as great as it is and as needed and biblical as it is. If, if church is just what we do here on Sundays, it's not going to happen. Because if we're not intentional, I, I really believe this this whole village church thing, we can easily become just a very glorified, large Bible study. If we're not intentional about living out as community, because that's not the biblical description of this thing called the church, this community. Again, what we're doing here on Sundays is very needed. We need a place where the word is preached, where we sing corporately, all of these things, where we receive uh, the communion and, and all of this. But the things that are described in this passage here, being real, um, you know, speaking and receiving truth, showing honor, praying together, contributing to needs, they require pressing into other people in ways that you're not fully going to be able to do on a Sunday morning. Like the, most of the things described here, you're just not going to fully be able to do on a Sunday morning. So, for example, it talks about contributing to the needs. I know this from knowing many of you. You have a kind, generous heart because Christ has entered your life. So, when there's a need, you want to be part of it. You want to contribute. You want to help. The challenge is, if we just stay at this level here, you don't know about it. So even if you want to contribute or you want to pray, you don't know about it, which creates some realistic challenges. So your expectation cannot be that you will be known just by being here on Sunday. And, and I wanted to introduce then kind of what we're doing as a church. And we're talking about city regions. And we've got some wonderful artwork. Oh, that, that looks nice. I like that. Um, basically, if you see this, we're taking some steps to say how as the village, how as, as we grow and we develop, how are we going to try to continue to live out these things called community? Because we are at a different point as a church. So if you see there at the top level, kind of corporate worship level, we are all one village church, whether we meet at 930 or 11 or whatever. We are one corporate body, but then we're moving into these city regions. And that's the middle bars there. We're moving into these city regions where we're going to have um, larger than a small group, but smaller than this, where that's in a sense going to be your larger community, almost like your church. And currently, and we're in the plans where I think we have the potential to go beyond this, but currently we're going to start out, we're going to have one city region group here in Hamden, one in the St. Paul corridor, and that's kind of Waverly, Charles Village, Mount Vernon, that whole area, and one in northeast Baltimore. So three different kind of city regions throughout Baltimore City. And, and what I want you to, and, and at the bottom there, all of our community groups then are going to be part of one of these larger city groups. City region groups. So depending on each of these, they're all going to look different based on the area, but probably it means getting together like once a month for a larger community 
whether you have food together, uh, just fellowship, and that's why it's, it's called fellowship, right? The purpose to get people together. And then you'll have your smaller community groups for things like Bible study and deeper prayer and community building. And those will meet in different areas throughout the week. And, and in your bulletins, you should see a half card describing um, what we're going to be doing is this coming week, we're going to have different city region kickoffs. So I think Thursday evening and then on Friday evening, these three different areas, we're going to have like a large kickoff gathering. And what I want to encourage you to do is pick one of these. Maybe it's geographically where you live, but it doesn't have to be. Find one of these areas and commit to going to this thing. They don't even, you don't have to commit that you're going to get plugged into a group. Commit to going to one of these and hear what that region is about. Hear what that city region is about and what it would look like to be part of that for you. And we're doing this because we're just getting at a point. Um, I hope you look at me as your pastor, but don't get offended if I don't know everything going on in your life. I, it's just impossible at this point. It's not realistic. But as we break church down smaller, our goal is we want to be able to pastor and shepherd, but also provide opportunities to grow. So you can look at that, that sheet and, and let us know if you, if you have any questions. But make a step to go to one of these kickoffs and find out what community is going to look like at the Village Church together. So we're excited about this new move. I mean, we, we're really excited. But guys, it doesn't mean it's easy. And I want to debunk this idea that when we, a lot of, and I don't know if you're like me, a lot of times in church when you talk about community, it can easily sound like you need more friends. Come on, lonely Christian, don't you need some friends? Aren't you tired of just watching your Netflix, you and your Netflix, don't you need some friends? I mean, sure, that's part of it. Fellowship is part of it. But realistically, guys, this is way beyond just needing more friends because I know some of you, you don't need a single more friend. Your capacity is like this. You don't need another friend, but what you do need is Jesus. What you do need is more Christ as he's given himself fully to you because walking community will draw you more and more to Christ. This is not about you just having more people to hang out with. This is about you being in some relational situations where you want to commit to those in need and you are maxed out. You're seeing what the scriptures call you to do, what some people ask you to do. You don't have the capacity to do that anymore. You're not that generous. For some people, being real with them or you being real, it's just, it's too much. You can't do it. You're at a certain point and you're like, it's just too much. I, I, I can't do this anymore. And, and, and what I'm going to say is that's not a bad place to be. Because being community is actually, and this is just our, our overall view of how we view change at our church. Some people, they'll read the Bible and say, uh, yeah, you know what? You're not supposed to take it that literally. Actually, it's just giving you some just suggestions. It's kind of giving you like a big overall guideline, but you kind of do your own thing, however it works, contextualize. I'm actually going to say, well, no, 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 no. Get the Bible and, and what it says here. Read it. Take it dead serious and do your best to try to do it. And when you try to do it to your best heart, if you're doing it correctly, you're going to fall flat on your face and say, I don't have that much love in me. I'm not that kind. I'm not that generous. I'm not that giving. I'm way too busy. I'm psych psychologically just maxed out. I've got too many issues of my own. And that's when you get on your face and you recognize that's why you need Jesus over and over and over again. <laughs> that's why you need the fullness of his work in your life 
Because it's not just about getting you to heaven, which is extremely important. It's about preparing you to live out this life here and showing you you cannot do it in your flesh. You need a power bigger than yourself. You need Jesus. And that's how we grow, guys. I love Bible study, but honestly, if you sit in Bible study every week for 20 years and expect that's how you're going to grow, you know what's going to happen. You do nothing else. Your head's going to get giant because you're going to offend you. Have you ever seen babies with giant heads? What do they look like when they try to walk? Because they got this giant, humongous head, but they don't got a body. So, you know, that's, it's just, you can't balance. You're not balanced. Because, yeah, feed information, but so that it's lived out and mature and grow. And that's how Christ meets us on our journey. So let me ask you to bow your head with me right now. And as our music team comes up. I guess the reason we talk about community so much at our church is it's the reality. Um, If this is all that it is, if if coming here, and again, this is hugely important, but guys, if, if our goal is to raise you as a follower of Jesus and equip you to be a leader in your local communities, we need community amongst ourselves. We need one another. Doing this on your own Just making it about Sunday, it's not an option if you're seriously going to grow to follow Jesus in the ways he wants you to. So I want to ask you right now, and I'm going to ask you to pray this way as we get ready to receive communion and and sing and pray. Let me ask you this way. Even as I'm talking about all this, what do you find coming out of your heart that telling you, no way, that's impossible. That's not going to work. That's not practical. You don't know how busy I am. You know how maxed out I am. I got too many friends. I got no time. I'm weary. I'm just trying to take care of my own stuff. Everything that you see coming out of your heart right now, can I ask you to bring that to God? Don't make your commitment. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Make your commitment to say, God, I can't do it. I'm strapped. Because God's goal in your life is not to just make you more comfortable necessarily, but it's to make you more like Christ. And the Christ that we love and we worship gave himself fully, gave himself up to the point of death so that others could have life. And I sincerely believe God is wanting to do that within us here. But the thing is, you and I are not Jesus. That's why we need Jesus to grow us more and more like him through the power of his Holy Spirit as we come with our brokenness, come with how we're not loving, how we're not generous, and know the Christ who wants us when we're not those things so that he can make us more and more like him. So bring very honestly, you know, let's be real. Bring really honestly right now to God the areas in your life that are making it really hard to think about loving other people. And let him just speak to you in that. Take a minute on that. ask you to stand with me as we respond to the the word of the Lord. And we're going to receive communion in a moment here. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, I invite you to come to the table. You can come both sides. And what we do when we come to the table is we remember the broken body of Jesus, symbolized by these pieces of cracker, these, these wafers here. And we dip it in the cup 
And we remember the shed blood of Jesus Christ, how Jesus loves sinners. Jesus loves broken people. Jesus loves rebels. If you feel like a rebel here, if you feel in this room that you're not able to do what he calls you to do, welcome to the club. That's what a Christian is saying. I need help. God, I need you. And we come to the table to remind ourselves of our sacrificial suffering servant, Lord. And come in your desperation. Come in your limited love. Come in the ways that you feel you're not able to do it. Because ultimately our message is not you just go out and do it. It's, yeah, you go out and do it, but first know who did it for you. And worship Jesus. So we're going to sing. As you're ready, as you pray, you can come up both sides. If you're a Christian, take that communion. You can go back to your seat. And let's continue to pray and ask God to work in our hearts.